0: Cool. Hi everyone. I'm Rachel. Hello. <laughs> no. <you're- laughs> wrong <laughs> wrong
1: um oh my god my brain does not even compute um i'm like what it, what what are words what i forgot how to interact with other human beings it's
0: been so long since rachel and i've recorded it's recorded. so
1: yeah so it kind of talking to a stranger yeah it's like who are you i don't even know so much <laughs> has happened so much has changed the Bachelor has released Bachelorette has released two episodes one which I've only seen one of really at this point (laughs) yeah I just watched the first one on Sunday I think so I'm just super behind
0: so what do you think of Katie
1: she's okay I mean I I kind of like her because I feel like she's not the the typical kind of Bachelorette like I feel like she's a bit of a weirdo well, which appeals to me
0: so that I feel like they're trying to play up they're trying to make it seem like she's a weirdo but I'm like everyone's weird
1: <laughs> you know what I mean like
0: I just I feel like they're leaning into it but I'm like most people like are quirky in some mm-hmm. way shape no, or form and I just feel like they're like look at this she's like a girl next door not your usual bachelorette she likes sex <laughs> like, well the world has continued to sure. exist for a very long time so a lot of people might agree with her <laughs> yeah um, and she true curses. she says like mm. the F word or Scandal. the H word and it's like okay I mean but I like her I just don't like that production is like mm-hmm. leaning into that um for the most part i don't like immediately hate too many of the guys
1: that's so. all we can hope for yeah, yeah i feel like the ones that i strongly disliked she sent home night one so
0: yeah yeah rp and then, guy the oh, skin salesman uh, that so that was creepy so the rock guy who looked like a snake <laughs> oh yes the dancer from reno yeah like they all went home and then I don't know, that guy who's just like, I don't like you. <laughs> like, I don't know to that one guy. Um, and they continue that this next episode, but I was like, mm, not really a big fan. The painter, kind of creepy to me, but... <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't like the cat guy. Uh, I kind of liked the cat guy. Um, the, I guess it's no longer called Here to Make Friends, but the Claire and whatever her name is um, from Emma. that podcast, Emma... Yeah, they were like, yeah, no, <laughs> about the cat guy. But Jarrell and I liked him, I guess. <laughs> Why? Um, I don't know. Um, I think the people that we like are based off of, like, if she likes them, I think. I see. Yeah, and so I'm like, okay, I see I see that there's a connection there, and I like that. I'm going to pay attention to that. Well, and it's interesting, true. this is like the first season that Jarrell's kind of like... Yo, so when does the episode what does the next episode come out? <laughs> yeah. And I was watching like when we were watching the second episode, he um he I was looking at him watching it and he you know like when you're watching like a movie that you know something mm-hmm. might jump out at you or whatever and you're mm-hmm. kinda like looking away, but like looking at the screen like your head is turned. Yeah, it's like you've got your eyes covered but you're they're peeking out of the fingers. Literally how he was watching. <laughs> Jamal, are you okay?
1: <laughs> he was just like, oh my god, it's so uncomfortable, but I can't look away. <laughs> oh, I can't wait to watch the second one. I'll have to do that later today. Yeah, yeah, Evan watched the first one with me, not willingly, and I don't think he enjoyed it at all. <laughs> That's funny. He was just like, is this over yet? Can I play baseball? I'm like, oh my god.
2: hello everyone and welcome to pink collar crime a true crime podcast focusing exclusively on crimes committed by women i'm rachel and i'm natalie if you're joining us for the first time welcome each week we're going to tell you about one or two cases of crimes committed by women and discuss details motives similarities and differences etc., etc.
0: if you like our show tell your friends please subscribe and give us a five-star rating and tell us what you love or don't love about the show
2: and give us a follow on social media at pinkcollar_pod. underscore uh, pod.
0: She's like, look, I'm not, I'm not trying to blame you, but also where were you? Uh, yeah, no cap. I feel like that's
1: exactly how I would feel the day of. And I hope that was a proper use of no cap because... Hanging out with my little brother, you know, trying to pick up some of the slang from like the kids, She's a you know, like Gen
0: Z-er now. Is so your brother based? Gen Z? Yeah.
1: yeah, And I think my little sister might be too. She's oh, really? like border, uh, yeah, yeah. So they're all like hip and I'm, I'm, I don't know. I heard of the word chuggy, and now I try to sprinkle mm, that into. Never my... heard what that. What is that? I think it's like the new version of like your basic. Say what it's, is like, the word? Oh, chugy c h e u c h e u g y chugy it's like miss me jeans or like i don't know starbucks so it, it seems like it's just basic um that's interesting <laughs> I know, I'm like, who even, who, where did,
0: at least I can see where, like, ya basic came from, like, that is just basic. <laughs> like, yeah, the logic kind of follows there, um, god, I am so old, like, I, my, I, one of my younger cousins, he, like, texts him, he's like, cap, and I'm like, like, a hat? Like, what do you mean? <laughs> um, and he was like, oh my god, you're so it weird, you're so old. no cap? But it, what I is think that it's, even? Is I think like, I'm not no, saying anything
1: inappropriate. It's
0: like, it's like, no BS, I think. Oh, Am I hold wrong?
1: on. I'm getting. <laughs> no, I think you're right, but I'm like, where, where did this come from? Oh, okay. Oh, okay. So it is, uh, according to urbandictionary.com, the phrase <laughs> no so cap cold. is meant to convey authenticity and truth. Um, the phrase originated in reference to decorative gold teeth. So permanent gold teeth, AKA perms or caps, AKA pullouts. So the caps can be taken out and like then you're just back to normal teeth. But the you're real if you have gold teeth. That's so dumb. Guys, don't get no cap. No cap alley No. Have you seen when people get those like jewels on their teeth? Yeah.
0: Isn't that the ugliest thing? Yeah, I don't I don't get it. There was some rapper who like got some massive like diamond or something like surgically infused to his forehead. (gasps) Ow. I think he recently got it removed, but like strange. (laughs) That does not sound sanitary. Yeah, I don't yeah. I don't know i'm i'm cheeky <laughs> you're so cheeky <laughs> oh my god please just kill me now <laughs> oh, oh gosh god, oh god, well oh god. Okay. leading into our nerd. episode <laughs>
1: uh yeah so i think the inspiration for this episode it feels like it was five years ago but maybe it was like a week and a half ago um so i binge watched the second season of the voice and i was just like riding that like anti-nazi wave so i was like i want to do a a case about you know anti-nazi people so we're doing another good crimes um,
0: well quickly though how did you feel about the final season or not the final the second season of the boys oh my god so good so it just good, right? it's just so right? good
1: it's so freaking good i mm-hmm. want to
0: re-watch it and
1: yeah i just oh my god i well, wish there wasn't as much blood in
0: it but... yeah so spoiler um how do you feel about all the head exploding <laughs> Uh, terrible. Right. But I was because, like, Rachel oh, would hate this part <laughs>
1: because it seems like so unrealistic that mm-hmm. it just like it's not like too because it seems so over the top. Yeah, I'm I like not as grossed out by it. Like yeah. the more realistic it looks, the the worse it is for me. But I just had to soldier on, Natalie, because it's so good. <laughs> like the concept of that TV show
0: is fascinating. <laughs> yeah I, I i think i really like I, I was kind of indifferent to huey a little bit season one but i don't know i really i really like the actor and like his character um, He's such a simp, Natalie. um okay well. <laughs> no i'm kidding <laughs> did you know um, it's like dennis queen and, and meg some... ryan's yeah. yeah yeah i know everything about everyone because i have time <laughs> anyway so we're doing basically a good crimes episode um yeah and rachel take it away like and well first well, off like and so sub- god i've been watching too
1: much youtube again what are the words what do you do for podcasts subscribe, subscribe comment and leave a leave comment review. leave a review all that good yeah, stuff share with we'll people domain. a dollar to the National Center for Victims of Crimes for everyone we get so incentive for you to do it makes us feel great go on all right so today I am doing the case of Corey 10 boom who I had never heard of before but I feel like should have been absolutely a part of education about world war ii um you know we got the full we read Anne frank's diary but i feel like this case is just as important as that um so cornelia arnaldo johans ten boom was born one month premature on april 15th 1892 into a working class family in harlem netherlands she was so tiny her uncle commented that the lord should quickly take this child to heaven because he was worried about her health although she was born small corey ended up living until she passed away on her 91st birthday which is crazy but um so let's talk a a little bit about a Corey's life so Corey was named after her mother and her father casper ten boom was a jewel 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 i'm not gonna be able to say this word jeweler 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 what the heck Why can i say jeweler and watchmaker she had three older siblings named betsy willem and Nolly, um making her the baby of the family Additionally, her three aunts on her mother's side lived with the family, Tante Bab, Tante Hans, and Tante Anna. Her father was incredibly passionate about his job as a watchmaker, so much so that he sometimes forgot to charge his customers for the service he provided them. The family lived above Casper's watch shop, and Corey started off just helping around the home when she was younger after her sister betsy got a nasty cold corey took her place of helping her father in the watch shop so corey was like a born accountant loved taking care of the business aspect of the shop and she had developed a system of billing and ledgers and helped with organizing all the financial proceedings so by the time betsy was like feeling better was ready to get back to work they mutually decided that corey would stay in the shop and betsy would work on managing the home so despite her passion for the business side of things, Corey trained to become a watchmaker as well. In 1922, she became the first woman to be a licensed watchmaker in the Netherlands. Dope. And while working in her father's shop, she also started a youth group for teenage girls. She would provide religious instruction and classes in the performing arts, sewing, and crafts. Um, So Corey's family were Calvinist Christians in the Dutch Reformed Church. Her grandfather was supportive of efforts to improve the Christian-Jewish relations in the 19th century, and part of their faith meant they needed to serve their society. They did this by offering shelter, food, and money to those in need. And other aspects of their faith included that Jews were precious to God and that all people were created equal. Um, Her brother, Willem, was a Dutch reform minister and studied anti-Semitism, also ran a nursing home for the elderly of all faiths. So these were just like a really solid religious group of people. And... I think it's, you know, wonderful when people use religion the way that it was intended to be accepting of everyone else instead of using it to discriminate against others. Um, But in May of 1940, the Netherlands were invaded by Germany. The Dutch fought back for five days straight, but ended up being occupied by the Nazis. The Dutch foreign policy was to remain neutral and had been that way for a century. Um, During the First World War, they avoided being part of any of the conflict. Um, They were careful not to take an official stand on Nazi Germany, but in the end, it did not help them. Uh, before attacking, the Germans gathered intel by sending German officers dressed as tourists to map out the area, and they also got information from Germans who had moved to the area. So, very sneaky of them. Obviously, when they took over, they started in um, imposing a lot of strict rules, uh, and one of those restrictions was that um, activities like Corey's Youth Club were to be banned. Um, So she was not able to to have that. So in May of 1942, a woman came into the Ten Boom shop. She was well-dressed and had a suitcase. And She told the family that she was a Jew. Her husband had been arrested a few months earlier and her son was in hiding. The authorities recently visited her house, so she was afraid to go back home. She heard that the Ten Booms had helped their Jewish neighbors, the Wiles, and helped begged them to help her too so their shop was a block and a half away from police headquarters it would be really risky for them to take anyone in but the family agreed to help casper was a devoted reader of the old testament which stated that the jews were the chosen people so he told the woman in this household that god's people are always welcome The family quickly became involved in the Dutch underground, hiding refugees and honoring the Jewish Sabbath. Despite being very religious, they never attempted to convert any of the Jewish people who stayed with them. So Corey and her sister, Betsy, became members of the resistance movement. They worked with an architect to build a secret room in their home and installed a buzzer that could alert anyone to leave as quickly as possible during security sweeps. They called it the hiding place um it was behind corey's bedroom and could hold six people and even though like in my mind i'm picturing like oh it can hold six people i'm thinking of a very big room but no it was like very small literally could only hold six people if they're all standing next to each other Hmm. um there's actually online you can do a virtual tour of the home which was really interesting Um, so you can see the room itself and see how small it is. That will be included in my, um, sources if, if you're interested in checking that out. But, um, you could, or some people stayed for an extended period of time and some just stayed for a couple of days. Uh, the home was also a very happy atmosphere despite everything that was going on outside. There was a lot of music in the home and they even wrote and performed plays, um, so Oh. You say
0: something? No, it's just like oh that's cool.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um so and while they had the space in their home to hold people, there was a shortage of food, obviously, due to the war. So the non Jewish Dutch people received ration cards which allowed them to get weekly food coupons. Um Corey had developed many connections in the community due to her charity work. Um so she had worked with uh family that had a daughter uh, who was disabled and her father was a civil servant who ended up being in charge of the local ration card office at the time. Um, so Corey went to visit just to get a couple extra ration cards. Um, she went to his home intending to say, you know, I'll, I'll take five um, just to have on hand. But when she opened her mouth, instead of saying five, she asked for 100 cards. And the man gave them to her, and Corey started passing them along to every single Jew she met. Um, soon, Corey became involved uh, in the Dutch Underground Resistance Network and aided in smuggling Jews to safe places. Overall, it's estimated that about 800 people were saved due to Corey's efforts. Oh but in february of 1944 a dutch informant named jan Vogel told the nazis about the ten boom family by that afternoon the entire ten boom family had been arrested after they found resistance materials and extra ration cards in their home
0: Not the cool. fam
1: i know like what like why is he even say anything what's it your costs, problem
0: it costs nothing to mind your own business
1: for real jan <laughs> um. so the family was taken to Finnegan prison definitely pronouncing that wrong um, however the six people that were in the hidden place at the time were actually not discovered during that raid um, the house was closely monitored after the family's arrest but uh, there were police officers who were also members of the resistance that were put in charge to watch and they just you know let the people in the walls just escape when you know there weren't other police officers around Um, and then while she was in prison corey received a letter saying all the watches in your cabinet were safe um so a little bit of speaking in code there um so unfortunately casper died 10 days after being in prison corey was held in solitary confinement and after three months she had her first hearing During her trial, she referenced her work with people with mental disabilities, and a Nazi lieutenant officer, like, scoffed because the Nazis obviously had been killing people with mental disabilities as a part of their eugenics policies. But Corey argued that in the eyes of God, a person with a disability might be more valuable than a watchmaker or a lieutenant. So, like, very, you know if if it were like current time she'd probably do the like snap, zigzag <laughs> drop a mic um, so Corey and Betsy were taken from that prison to Haro a political concentration camp and then to Robinsbrook a concentration camp that was a women's labor camp in Germany So in Ravensbrook, there were over a thousand women crammed into barracks meant for only 400. And I can imagine that the 400 is even being, you know, kind of generous in itself. It was disgusting. The beds had vermin and lice. And Betsy said, you know, she was the cool head. She told Corey, you know what? You even have to, you have to be grateful for everything from God, even the lice, um, And so it turned out that it actually was kind of a good thing that there were lace because the guards didn't want to go in their living areas. So in a way that served as a protection for them. Um, The women were forced to do hard labor. They were also very malnourished. Uh, One day a guard began to whip Betsy for moving too slow. And Corey had to be held back to stop her from like fighting the guard. Um... At the end of the confrontation betsy's face was covered in blood but betsy said like do not hit this person do not attack them you must love and forgive so the women had even smuggled a bible into the camp and held worship services many of the prisoners converted to christianity because of their teachings and their unfailing charity and corey and betsy you know they had plans of what they were going to do after the war was over once they could get out Um, But Betsy's health had significantly declined, and she would end up dying on December 16th, 1944. I know, so sad. But 12 days later, Corey was released from prison due to a clerical error. Like, can you imagine the luck? Right? (laughs) Of, like, they just let you go? (laughs) And even luckier... She would have been sent to the gas chamber the following week as all women in her age group were older were sent to be executed because they were
0: bringing in new prisoners and needed to make room. Oh my god, how lucky. Isn't that crazy? But also, if you have to get rid of your current prisoners to add more prisoners, like, stop taking prisoners. Mm, U.S. government.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) Um, But that's just, like, that's wild that's mm-hmm. wild i mean like regardless of what your religion or beliefs are i think you can acknowledge that these were two like very caring and selfless women mm-hmm. and like i don't know maybe it was like a miracle that that she got out um so Corey returned home during the mists of a hunger winter And she still opened her doors to people with mental disabilities who were in hiding because they were fearing for their lives. Um, When the war ended, Corey went back to the Netherlands and set up a rehab center for those who had survived concentration camps and also cared for the jobless, uh, those who are Dutch who didn't have jobs. So she went back to Germany in 1946 to meet with two people that had been employed at Robinsbrook. And one of them had been particularly cruel to her sister, but she forgave them anyway. She also became a public speaker, appearing in more than 60 countries. Um, And this was because while she was in the camp, Betsy encouraged her, you know, go all over the world, tell everyone what we've seen in this camp and like what we've learned about our religion. And she was uh, Corey would go on to be on the receiving end of many tributes, including being knighted by the Queen of Netherlands. She wrote a book about her experiences called *The Hiding Place*. Uh, no surprise here, became a bestseller, and the book was also made into a movie in 1975, starring Jeanette Clift as Corey and Julie Harris as her sister Betsy. In 1977, Corey moved to California at the age of 85. Over the next year, she suffered from a series of strokes, and she eventually passed away, like I said earlier, on her 91st birthday. Um, But Jewish traditional belief says that only specially blessed people are granted the privilege of dying on their birthday. And I don't think that anyone could argue that Corey was, like, a very special person. Mm -hmm. Not to get cheesy there. But, like, how cool? Like, what... An incredible human being And no, like even seriously. after being arrested Even after being in the camp Like going forth with a mindset That you should be forgiving to others To um, approach others With love and be Like still giving yourself To others Is just I can't even wrap my mind around it Like that's so incredible
0: mm-hmm. Yeah, She's cool No definitely And I feel like as we Um As a lot of us learned about, you know, like, Nazi Germany and the Holocaust and stuff like that, at least for me, it's so easy to be like, oh my god, if I was there, like, I would never, like, I would not stand for that. Here's all the, Mm -hmm. you know, I would fight against um, Nazi Germany. um, And I think it's easy, it's easy to say that, you know, Uh, but, like, I can't imagine
1: like well yeah the fact that you live so close to a police station and you're taking people in you're like literally putting a fake wall in your home Mm -hmm. and risking yourself like there was absolutely no incentive for them to help other the whole family Mm -hmm. to like help other people they christians they could have been like nope we're good like we're not being discriminated against so yeah you know screw you guys, but they opened their home up to so many people and were responsible for saving so many lives. So yeah. that is definitely a
0: great crime in my book. Oh, for sure. Like, bravo. <laughs> you go, Corey. You go. Snaps, Corey. <laughs> Wait, what do you say when you start your... All right. <laughs> okay. okay. Yeah, I think I say all right. Something <laughs> stupid like that. Um, okay, I am doing a good grant case, um, so Rachel has no idea what I'm doing and so I'm not going to immediately say, I'll just kind of jump right in. Um, so the United States nuclear program started in 1939 with what would come to be known as the Manhattan Project. And so, uh, the United States was the first country to successfully make nuclear weapons, and of course, the only country to actually use nuclear weapons against another country in war, when they dropped atomic bombs on her—is it Hiroshima or Hiroshima? Hiroshima, I um, believe. I feel like I like I feel like Hiroshima sounds right to me, but I don't know why. I don't. (laughs) But
2: But, also, I mean, Hiroshima could be like the Americanized pronunciation that, you know, who's to say that that's even the correct way to pronounce it.
0: Yeah, I apologize. I don't have much knowledge of speaking Japan to our Japanese listeners. Um, so sorry. Um, so, Hiroshima and Nagasaki, Japan, in 1945 during World War II. And so, dropping the atomic bombs killed an estimated 129,000 to 226,000 people, which is up to 36% of the populations of Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Um, and so most of the people who died were just civilians, um, especially in Nagasaki had way less, like, military personnel, um, there, um, and I actually also read there were, there are double survivors, so people who, after Hiroshima, like, the bombs dropped there, sought, sought refuge in Nagasaki, and then the bombs dropped there, and I'm like, how horrifying, because I guess it was, like, a few days apart, um, Which I'm like, no, we should not be dropping atomic bombs personally. No, absolutely um, not. And so in addition to mass deaths, deaths is so hard for me to say now. Um, The atomic bombs of 1945 have been linked to radiation sickness, cancer increases, birth defects and increased risk of cognitive decline and severe intellectual uh, disabilities. And so despite this, the nuclear arms race uh, between the United States and other world powers waged on throughout the Cold War, continuing to ramp up into the 1980s. And so with that came the anti-nuclear movement in the United States. Um, And so one of the first and largest anti-nuclear protests in United States history happened in June of 1982. And one million people protested in Central Park in New York City, New York. Um, and so scientists, activists, celebrities, and everyday people have come out in droves to protest against uh, nuclear weaponry. And so some notable protesters or anti-nuclear activists include singers Graham Nash and Bonnie Raitt. Um, that guy who knew a lot of things, Carl Sagan. I know very little about <laughs> Carl Sagan. I just know he knew things. Is that true? Is that true? Does he, is that <laughs> Uh, he
2: was like a, oh gosh, now I'm going to sound stupid because I don't even know. I know that he was a big inspiration for Neil deGrasse Tyson. Um, I have one of his books, actually. I think that he must, oh my god, now I'm going to feel stupid. I want to say he was like an astronomer or scientist of some sort. Yeah, but, he knew stuff.
0: <laughs> okay,
2: yes, at the most like basic level, he knew stuff. Uh, yes, an American astronomer, uh, planetary scientist, cosmologist, astrophysicist, astrobiologist,
0: author, and science communicator. Okay, so he knew stuff. <laughs> um, and um, additionally, one of the um, a notable um, kind of anti-nuclear war person. And I feel like I've asked this quite, or I feel like we've talked about this before. But it was the most arrested celebrity in Hollywood? Do you know who that is? Dan Devito, no, Martin Sheen, <laughs> which it, I think is very cool. <laughs> wait, Martin Sheen like Grace and Frankie? Yeah, like Charlie Sheen's dad. L- yeah, Emilio Estevez and Charlie Fe- Sheen's dad. Yes, he's the most arrested. He's been arrested more than any other celebrity in Hollywood um, for pro- all for protesting. He's been like super civil rights, super anti nuclear war, like ant- like a. Uh, you know anti-environmental harm and so he's been arrested like so maybe like in the hundreds um yeah martin i had no based on his
2: character (laughs) i did not think
0: wow i support it i love it um yeah i think it's very cool i'm a I'm a big Emilio Estevez fan, and so I feel like, by extension, I'm a big Martin Sheen fan.
2: So I don't know who Emilio Estevez is. It's his son. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. Now that I see a picture of him, They I, look the same. <laughs> yes, they look freakishly yeah. similar. He's
0: in um, a lot of, like, 80s movies, and so one of my favorite... He's in Breakfast Club, Breakfast of course. Breakfast Club. Um, but one of my favorite ones is St. Elmo's Fire, and he's in that. So good. In Um, all the Mighty Ducks movies Yes he is Um and he's better than Charlie Sorry (laughs) Mm. Um Women. Anyway, so members of the clergy and religious organizations also rallied against the nuclear arms race. Dating back to the bombings of Hiroshima and Nagasaki, the Catholic Church was immediately outspoken against the use of nuclear weapons. And so right after the bombings, the Vatican newspaper, pardon my Italian guys, La Salvatore Romano. <laughs> <laughs> um, expressed disappointment that the creators of the bomb didn't immediately destroy the bomb for the sake of humanity. Uh, the and you're gonna love this. Um, so this person is his title is the Very Reverend, and his name is Cuthbert Thickness, which I support. Uh, the Very Reverend Reverend Thickness, um, who is the Dean of St Albans Cathedral. Did he
2: choose his own name? Like, that just sounds very inappropriate.
0: No, I think that's his name that he was born with.
2: Um,
0: all right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, um, yes, the very reverend. Um, he called the use of atomic weapons an act of wholesale indiscriminate massacre. And so members of religious organizations have continually been active, as protesters and activists against nuclear weapons. Among them, this is what my topic is, guys. Among them are the women in black. And so the women in black are sisters Ardith Platt, Jackie Hudson and Carol Gilbert. And they're Dominican religious sisters. And so um, Dominican as in not the country of the Dominican Republic, but the sect like the catholic subsect of um the dominican religious order and so they're Uh catholic nuns um and each of them joined the order of the dominican sisters of grand rapids when they were 18 years old and at varying times they each became active in the anti-nuclear war movement and so um like seriously these nuns are very cool um and so i'm gonna go through just a little bit of background on each of the nuns and then we'll get into the crime du jour wait what was that one
2: tv show with it was on amazon prime it was like anti-nazis and there was the nun in it who was like super oh uh
0: hunters yes this is such a good show
2: that's what i'm picturing (laughs) in my
0: head right now well um for reference at the time of them committing the crime like they're like i think the youngest is 50 (laughs) like 50 something so they're they're very cool um anyway so Sister Jackie Hudson was born in Michigan in 1934. Um, after joining the order, she attended Vandercook College of Music and became a music teacher. Now, this is I love. Um, so she sang in a musical group with other Dominican sisters, and the group was called the D's. <laughs> I love it. <laughs>
2: What would be even better is if they all were named like Deandra or like Deirdre or like other names that could be shortened to D.
0: Yeah. Well I guess it goes for the Dominican sisters, I guess. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. No, that yeah. that works. Um, And so her activism began after her retirement in the 1980s, after she began studying the effects of nuclear um, bombs and radiations. And her first arrest came in 1990 when she illegally snuck on to Wurtsmith Air Force Base and painted Christ Lives Disarm on the side of a bunker. She felt she was right. And in any um, like when, you know, explaining kind of her actions, she said, look, Jesus put his life before the law So will I Not mm-hmm. More power to you sister um, But ultimately she was sentenced To six months in prison um, and then their sister, Ardeth Platt, she was born in 1936 in Lansing, Michigan, and she trained at a, as a school teacher after joining the order. And um, her public works followed soon after. And very cool. She, she uh, founded the St. Joseph Alternative, Alternative Education Center for kids who were denied access to other schools, which like kids that's go to so school nice. um, and she also served on city Council for eight years which dope um, I didn't realize nuns were just out here doing stuff to be honest <laughs> even though I'm Catholic sorry um, and so sister Carol Gilbert she was born in 1947 and by 1979 so about a decade after she became a nun sister Carol devoted her life to plowshare activism which um, Secondly I guess the activism that all three Sisters were part of um, but Plowshare activism um, Is um, Basically anti-nuclear weapons Is an anti-nuclear weapons And Christian pacifist movement That advocates active resistance To war and so the Plowshares protest movement draws Its name from the biblical Passage in the book of the prophet Isaiah that says they shall Beat their swords into plowshares Um Mm. I don't really I, I don't interpret things in the bible I don't know what that means <laughs> and so uh like sister Jackie her first arrest was in 1998 when she illegally snuck onto the Andrews Air Force Base during the annual Department of Defense open house and air show with four other protesters they used um like homemade hammers to bang on the side of a B-52 um like jet powered bomber plane thingy um and then Naturally, they poured their own blood on the B fifty two. I think you know a bit of symbolism there, Um, and she was of course arrested and also sentenced to six months in prison. And so that seems like a long time. (laughs) I mean, the United States don't mess with their they don't mess with their uh, their military. You know, I suppose like murder someone out in a year. like pour blood on something dear God um, anyway so th- for the three of them especially sister Jackie and sister Carol their anti-nuclear war activism was far from over in fact the three joined forces um, and so in 2000 uh, sisters Jackie Artis and Carol illegally entered the Peterson Air Force Base in Colorado Springs Colorado um, and they sprinkled blood on a fire on a fighter plane um, and of course they were arrested and they were held in federal prison pending charges. Um, uh, but the charges were eventually dropped. Um, and so lesson learned, right? No. Um, so, uh, these women, they had a cause and not even the law was going to stop them. And so. Two years later, on October 6th, 2002, wearing white hazmat suits with the words Citizen Weapon Inspection Team and Disarmament Specialist written on the back, the three sisters entered a field. And so this particular field was scattered with 49 underground silos harboring missiles, 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 (laughs) including the LGM-30G Minuteman three missile is am, how do I say the word missile? I think it's missile, but I've heard it pronounced missile before. Okay, well I don't know y'all. Um, it's not a word that is in my repertoire. <laughs> And so um, basically this missile missile, whatever missile uh, is an intercontinental ballistic missile with a nuclear warhead that can obliterate most buildings and humans inside a four mile wide circle. Um, and so this field is like somewhere in, I think, northern Colorado. Um, and so they break in and they hung a peace manner. And they drew six crosses on the silo using their own blood, which they had collected into plastic bottles ahead of time, because how else do you transport your own blood for painting? Um, And then again, um, they used like their own kind of homemade hammer things to bang on the silo and they closed it out with prayer saying, Oh, God, help us to be the peacemakers in a hostile world. Soon, they were surrounded by military personnel in Humvees with M-16 assault rifles drawn. Raising their arms in the air, the sisters continued to pray, Oh God, help us to be the peacemakers in a hostile world. They were arrested and left lying on the ground for three hours before being transported, which it's hot in Colorado. So I don't know. They're wearing hazmat suits.
2: They're literally nuns. I don't...
0: Yeah. Um, I don't understand. I mean, I guess they technically don't know that they're nuns at that moment. Like, you could say you're anybody, but right. they're old. They're older women. They're old women. <laughs> but, I mean, I guess criminals Although, I guess
2: we shouldn't be treating anyone, regardless of... Appearance. Yeah, to so just
0: have somebody sitting out there for three hours. Like, I think that's... Yeah. Um... Uh, And so they were, after being arrested and left lying on the ground for three hours, they were charged with causing property damage to a nuclear missile silo and interfering with the nation's national defense by painting crosses on the top of a silo. So... Yeah. <laughs> um, and so Sister Jackie later explained the reason behind this particular act of protest. Um, she said, we went to that specific silo to inspect, expose and symbolically disarm one of our 10,455 nuclear weapons and to declare it a crime scene. Um, and so like the whole thing was just super symbolic. Um You know, by committing a crime on it, the um, silo now becomes the subject of a crime scene, um, which in and of itself, they believe is a crime. Mm -hmm. Um, And so the sisters continue to protest even after being arrested in court, uh, dressed entirely in black and uh, full religious habits. They took a vow of silence and refused to speak on their own behalf um, to the courtroom. They offered their silence as a symbol of solidarity to the International Women in Black movement that sorry, my laundry's done. (laughs) Um, Okay, so they offered their silence as a symbol of solidarity with the International Women in Black movement that demonstrates um, in silent mourning for victims of war. Their defense team noticed that artists, Jackie and Carol were they had admitted to cutting through the chain link fence to gain access to the silo. And so they're like, it's not like they're hiding anything. So like, Mm -hmm. you know, be a little lenient here. Everything's above board at this point. Um, And so their defense also noted that the sisters were actually very careful to cut the fence in a way that it could actually be easily repaired. So they didn't just like cut right through it. Um, they were like, Of course they did. Yeah. <laughs> they were like, We don't want to inconvenience anyone. Um, and so, um, and still on April 7th, uh, they, I guess April 7th, 20, 2003, um, they were found guilty on both charges. And so the conviction of both of these charges carried a max sentence of 30 years in prison. Um, Federal prosecutors, prosecutors only asked for five to eight years um, each. And the defense argued that in rare situations, a judge could actually depart from legally mandated sentencing. Um, and they argued that the nun, the nuns had a long history of community service, and that they were very clearly and openly accepting responsibility for their actions, and that they had actually voluntarily surrendered at the um, to military personnel at the at the missile site. Like, you know, they didn't. They weren't fighting Did, back. Yeah, running they away. didn't. They posed no threat. They didn't like throw their hammers or anything like that. They were. It was peaceful, basically. But the judge, Robert Blackburn, um, swore to hand down a sentence that was devoid of quote passion, prejudice, or politics, saying. I find it inexcusable that they would choose to break the law for their means. He also scolded them for being, quote, dangerously irresponsible and claimed that their actions had caused young men and women of the Air Force to scramble to the missile site in full military readiness, thus placing the military personnel in harm's way. And I'm like Mm. kind of rolling my eyes here, like. If there was no harm then were you placed in harm's way? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. Um, seems a little, a little excessive, but whatever. Um, and so before sentencing, Sister Carol spoke to supporters. She said, I don't fear going to prison. I don't fear lo- the loss of freedom to move about. I don't even fear death. The fear that fills me is not having lived hard enough, deep enough, and sweet enough with whatever gifts God has given me. Jeez. That's actually very nice. Um, Can I get that tattooed on myself? That's a lot of words. <laughs> yeah, I think I'd pass out, but... <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, you could print it out. Like, write it on a sticky note, like, you know, on your computer Get a t-shirt. How about that? Yeah. <laughs> and so, um, Sister Ardith also said... Um, whatever sentence i receive today will be joyfully accepted as an offering for peace i will remain with you in prayer and walk together with you for all the good of all humanity and creation i'm like these sisters seem like such good people Mm -hmm. um judge blackburn sentenced sister ardeth aged 66 to 41 months in prison Uh, sister Jackie also 66 I think she might have been 46 I don't know she was something Um, to 30 months in prison and then sister Carol was 55 and sentenced to 33 months in prison Um, due to their activism sister Carol and Ardith were actually um, labeled as terrorists by the state of Maryland Um, (laughs) so cool (laughs) Um, and they each served their sentences and were released uh, Sister Jackie cons- continued to fight the good fight. In 2010, she and 13 others snuck onto the Y 12 National Security Complex, originally built as part of the Manhattan Project. She was arrested and held in a Georgia prison, but was allowed to go home in June of 2011 due to her health, and she passed away that August at the age of 76. Um, and then Sister Artis was actually the inspiration for Sister Jane Ingalls on Orange is the New Black, if you remember that character. Um. I did not watch that show. Oh, really? Okay. I never
2: made it through the first episode. The whole skip <laughs> thing, like, turned me off. And then I was like, I'm done with the show.
0: Yeah, I, I think I watched maybe two seasons, and then I kind of fell off of it. Um, I'm like, I get it, you're in prison. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, so she inspired one of the characters on Orange is the New Black. And um, she unfortunately passed away this past September. Um, so September 2020. All right. Um, yeah. And Sister Carol is still kicking, you know. Um, yeah. And so that is the case of the women in black protesting against um, nuclear war uh, weapons in the United States.
2: Um, that is amazing. How have I never heard of that
0: before? Yeah, me neither. I was like, when you were like, oh, let's do good crimes, I'm like, hmm, I can't think of anything. And I just Googled, none arrested. I was just like, ah. I wonder if there's some nuns who got Yeah,
2: I feel like that would pull up some interesting...
0: Yeah, I mean, there were, like, a lot of nuns, like, protesting, like, anti-immigration um, uh, recently in the past couple years, you know, throwing mm-hmm. children in cages, um, stuff like that. And, I don't know, I just... These three nuns kind of teaming up to do this. Um, they were also in the... Um, when Sister Jackie um... Uh, like, broke into the Y-12 national security complex, there are also mm-hmm. some other, um, nuns that were listed, um, there with her, including one I believe is still in prison. Um, no, she's not still in prison. This was such a long time ago. Um, <laughs> she, she's not still in prison. Um, but another one that I, I wanted to include her as well, but I was like, mm, maybe another day I'll, I'll do her case. Okay. Um, but Yeah. I cool. like that both of our cases were like very religious people. The like r- bright side of religion, because. Right, it's yeah.
2: interesting how the extremes can go. Not that like. I don't even think in our cases that I would consider that to be like extreme in any way. It's just like interpreting religion, I think, to the intent that it was supposed to be of like do good and, like, protect others at all costs. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. Rather than, like, imposing...
2: Yeah, like, kill other people.
0: Mm -hmm. Or, like, let's take away other people's freedoms. Instead, let's give people freedom and not have to worry about a bomb being dropped on them that obliterates them before they knew what happened. Um, Honestly, every time I... (laughs) every time as if I'm thinking about it a lot but whenever I think about like the bombs being dropped on like Japan like it just blows my I'm like how (laughs) I can't I don't know I don't know I, I can't put my mind I can't put my mind in like the place of the person who was like yeah let's do this or the place of the person who like was like yeah I'm dropping it or like you see those pictures of like kids like running like half of their body, like you know, mangled or even like dropping like napalm. I'm mm-hmm. like, I just can't. And I, I don't know what I would do if this happened to me. Like <laughs> here, like I like it's just unimaginable. Well, um,
2: no, it's amazing how good I feel like the spin of like. Whoever, the government, the media, um, you know, because like thinking about like Jane Fonda, even, like I've brought up how much I love Jane Fonda in like outside discussions, and people have been like, oh, oh, you mean like, what was her name? Hannah, what, Hannah, I, like, Jane, oh, no, we don't like her. And I'm like, they, she was protesting the fact that people were like destroying water sources for people to survive and these were like civilians um it's just like yeah how we rationalize these terrible things happening to others for the sake of like war or like you know what even if the difference between like civilians and other like troops like Troops are just civilians as Well you know they Mm -hmm. may have signed Up to like fight but Their reasons for joining The military may not always necessarily Be that they are you know Dedicated to the cause It's because Like oh I'm joining the Service because I'm like required To by law or um, You know this is a way to make A living for myself or to Get like college education in the future Like it's not that people who are choosing to fight are necessarily 100% willing and that's their like mm-hmm. core beliefs in life. You well know? yeah.
0: Like- and, I mean in the case of the United States I feel like outside of you know drafts and stuff a lot of like obviously there are um, almost socioeconomic reasons that people join the military but then there are so are people that are like I want to defend my country and I think that that's noble and I understand that. Um mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's not. Well, so does the other person. Well, yeah, but they're also they're also being handed down orders from people who aren't there. Mm -hmm. They're being handed down orders that may not make moral, ethical, rational sense. Mm -hmm. And their only job is to do it. And so, like, there's this weird. I don't know. It's very similar. Like when we're talking about like the executioner like Mm -hmm. you know it's your job but also putting somebody in like this position like and then causing extreme harm to others it's just Mm -hmm. i don't know like i don't like it i don't like it at all
2: (laughs) our music is the track wasteland by joseph mcdade his patreon and our podcast sources will be linked in the podcast description below Any mistakes are entirely our own, so check out our wonderful sources for the most accurate information about these cases.
0: We talk about some tough subject matter on our show. If you or someone you love is in need of support, please reach out to the Crisis Text Line by texting HOME to 741741. They are available 24-7 and will connect you with a trained crisis counselor.
2: You can also reach the National Domestic Violence Hotline by calling 1-800-799-7233. Thank you so much for listening to our show. Join us next week for another episode of Pink Collar, a true crime podcast.